welcome to Meadows Church. Let's celebrate. I tell you what, it's still a jungle out there, but it's less of a jungle than it used to be about four years ago, because in the last four years, 456 people have given their lives to Christ, and God's just getting started. I know Sarah said it. I know Rachel said it. I got to say it. If this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. We are super excited that you're here, so excited about what God is doing in this place, but this is just a place. You're the church, and I'll never stop reminding you of that. For those of you watching online, give it up for those watching online. Give it up for them. We love you. You're missing out on some burritos and prizes, but we still love you. So, God, I tell you what, let me just start with a question. Um, how many here, and most hands will go up, how many here you've ever been to a carnival? You've been to a carnival. Pretty much, uh, probably almost everybody. So online, put your, put your hand raise emoji up if you've been to a carnival. One of the first carnivals I ever went to was, uh, I, was probably, I was probably six or seven years old. Small town, Salem, South Dakota is where I grew up. And uh, the carnival came to town once a year. And I went, and I, you guys, I don't know if you've ever been to the games that they do at the carnival. You know, the games that you can win these huge prizes. I remember, I'd never played a game like that before. And they had the rides and everything, but I was drawn to the games. Because uh, there was this huge stuffed Smurf. And it was incredible. And I don't know what Smurf it was. I don't know if it was handy or hefty. It wasn't brainy because there was no glasses. And it wasn't Smurfette because I would know the difference. But I, it, it was just, it was awesome. And I'm like, I'm winning that huge Smurf. I'm taking that baby home. So it was the ring toss. You know what the ring toss is, right? Tons of bottles. All these bottles all over the place. I'm like, how can't you win? I mean, they give you these huge rings, and all I got to do is chuck a ring on a bottle, and I win a prize. So the guy, the, the nice gentleman behind the, you know, the, the working there, he wanted me to win. I know he did. I would just believe it in his heart. So he gave me these three rings, and he said, all right, go for it. And I thought, this is just, why don't you just give it to me now? Seriously. So I grab the first ring and I chuck it. And it dances around on top, of the, on top of all the bottles and it falls in between. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a fluke deal. How, how could I not get? So I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I'll do the next one. And I throw the next one on there and it hits the bottles and it's jumping. And, and all of a sudden it falls between the bottles. And I'm like, what the? What's happening here? So the last one, you know, I say a special prayer because, because I got real religious right now, right then. And I throw the last one. And it's, it's doing the same thing the other ones did, only check it out. This one, you know what it did? It landed on a bottle. Like, I thought to myself, I did it. <laughs> I won. And I was so excited. I was so jacked up. And I'm looking up at the huge Smurf. And the guy comes over. He's like, hey, great shot. And he's all excited. And I'm getting ready to point to the prize that I won. And he reaches down underneath, like this little whatever's under there. He reaches down, and he, and he gives me this little troll. And I thought... What the crap is that? I, I, like a four inch, maybe four and a half inch with the hair that was sticking up on it. And he gives me this troll. And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm, I want the Smurf. And he said, he kind of laughs at me, which I didn't like. But he laughed at me and he said, no, you, you got to get all three of the rings on to win a big prize. If you get one ring, this is what you get. Okay, can I be honest? I wanted to take that troll and shove it. Okay, we're in church. So you probably haven't. I was so, oh my gosh. I, you know where that troll is now? Neither do I, because it was so tiny, I probably lost it about two minutes after I got it. So let's fast forward uh, to when my son Jake, Jake, you didn't know I was going to talk about this, but you're, you're cool with it. It's a good story. So you were probably, probably seven or eight years old, and we go to a carnival, and I'm having like, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder because I'm, he wants to go play these games. And I'm like, Jake, and I try to explain to him, Jake, these games aren't what they seem. Like, there's a con going on here. And it was a shooting game. Remember the shooting game and the corks? So you, you shoot these little things down, and you win. 
But the things, like that troll's hair was out here, these had hair out here. So it, they're, they're 90% hair. And I told Jake, I said, Jake, you, you can't, I mean, you won't hit them. You can't do it. And I said, even, but he's adamant. And I said, well, watch the teenagers in front of you. 16, 17-year-old kids are up there shooting, missing everything. No one's hitting anything. We watched like three guys do it. And I'm like, Jake, see, it's, they'll just take your money. And, and, and this, he, he can't win. It's, it's rigged. But he's adamant. So I'm like, fine. Here, I'll just donate my five, six, seven bucks, whatever it was. I give it to the guy. Jake could barely see over the counter. He, the guy gives him a, gu- a gun, puts the cork in there. Jake aims it. And I'm like, oh, well, you know what? Sometimes you got to learn a lesson the hard way, right, Jake? I thought this would be good for you. Jake shoots. Poof, Nails one, falls down. And I'm like, all right, well. And he's all happy, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? He just won a troll. He'll be ticked when he sees it. So, um, so, so Jake, they put the second cork in, and Jake aims it. Boom! Shoots another one down. And I'm like, what if? I'm like, okay, something's happening here. They put the third cork in. Boom! Third one drops. And I'm, I about dropped. I'm like, you're kidding me. I'm looking, and Jake's like, I'll take this big red bulldog-looking thing. The guy grabs the big red bulldog, gives it to Jake. And I'm like, God, God, the miracles happen. Miracles still happen today. He grabbed this bulldog. We named it Shooter McGavin. I think we had just watched Happy Gilmore. So anyway, we named it Shooter McGavin. Remember that, Jake? And we're walking back, and I was just in awe. I could not believe. I've, I've never seen anybody win the big prize at a carnival. I've seen people carrying them, but I assume they stole them. I don't, I've never seen anybody win. win. So here, what am I saying? I'm saying that, Jake, I apologize in advance for doubting that you had the faith to win this, this, this huge bulldog. See, I had no faith. My faith, I, I, was, I was doubting from, because of what happened to me. And my question for you, as we begin a new series today called Faith Beyond Doubt, what are you doubting today? Like in your life, what are you doubting? What are you, maybe it was a promise, maybe it was a dream, but, but now that's fell, fall by the wayside. And maybe it's something that at one time you believed it was going to happen, but now you're not believing it anymore. Now it it makes no sense, and now it seems crazy. See, I want to restore your faith today. I want to help. I want God to restore your faith today. Is what I want. Oh my gosh! So what we're preaching, what I'm going to preach out of today is Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible, so very easy to find. So if you got your Bible or your mobile app, go to Genesis 15. Genesis, the word literally means in the beginning. Makes sense, doesn't it? Let me set it up for you. Before I get into the actual scripture that I'm going to read. In verse 12, I'll just kind of paraphrase. Abram, he's later known as Abraham, the father of faith. So this guy's known for his faith. Abram, he, uh, he's given a command from God. God says, you know what, Abram? Leave your country. Leave your friends. Leave your father's household. Leave your people and go. And I'm not going to tell you where, just go. And I wonder what Abram's thinking. He's thinking, I don't, I don't want to go. Like, I like living here. I've always lived here. All my friends and family are here. Plus, plus, God, I'm 75 years old. Okay, why wouldn't you come to me like 30 years ago when I had more energy? I'm 75. But God gives him a command. God tells him to go. See, and Abraham knew what God was saying. He knew that it wasn't, God wasn't just asking Abraham to change his mind about something. Like, like he knew that faith is not like changing your mind. It's not a state of mind. It's a course of action. So God knew, or Abraham, Abraham knew that God was saying go. In other words, Abram, you do the going and I'll do the showing. And, and, and that's exactly what Abram was called to do. And I wonder if God's saying that to somebody here today. I wrote it down. I said, faith doesn't mean you know where you're going. It means you're trusting wherever God is taking you. I'm going to say it again. Faith, it doesn't mean you got it all figured out up here. You can't see where you're going. But it means you're trusting the one 
who does the, the one who's guiding you. I'll say it a different way, and this is the I'm gonna give you the main point right away. So excited about this. Faith, say faith, faith. is trusting what God said before seeing what God does. Faith is trusting what he said before seeing what he does. That's what Abram would have to do. God said, this is what I'm telling you to do. This is where I'm telling you to go. You do it. And I'm not going to tell you what the end result is going to be. I'm not going to tell you where the final destination is. This, is. this is the crazy command from God. So now, let's pick it up in Genesis 15, first verse. Follow along with me if you would. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. And he said, don't be afraid, Abram. I'll protect you. I'll, your reward will be great. Now, now listen to Abram's response. And we, we can learn from Abram here. Abram's praying to God. He's talking to God. That's what prayer is. When you pray to God, and I pray that you do, when you pray to God, be specific. Be authentic. Be real. L- learn from Abram's prayer. Listen to what he says. Listen to how raw this is. So God's like, I'm gonna, I got you. I'll reward you. And Abram's like, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all the blessings when I don't even have a son? Like, since you've given me no children, Elizer from Damascus, the servant in my household, he's going to inherit all this. You, you've given me no descendants. I mean, he's getting on God. God, you haven't given me a son. God, you haven't showed up. God, I've asked, and you haven't, you haven't, you haven't um, answered. I have no descendants, so one of my servants is going to be the heir. And God said, he gave a specific prayer. God gives a specific answer. God said, no, your servant won't be your heir. For you're going to have a son, Abram. You'll have one of your own, a son, that's going to be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram out. And he gives him this, he shows him something. He says, look up in the sky, count all the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. I mean, think about this. So Abram is despairing of ever having a child. And God takes him out, shows him a vision of all these stars. What, what vision has God given you? Think about that for a second. What, okay, for yourself, what vision has God given you? For your family, for your future, for your faith. What vision has God given you? And you're doubting in that vision. You're not alone. Abram was doubting too. And God shows him this picture of all these stars. It'd be impossible to count them all. And God's saying, it's all yours. See, God's blessings are way beyond our imagination. That's what I need you to understand today. You can imagine some big things, but God's imagination, God's thoughts are so much bigger. Abram had no idea. So listen to what Abram does. How does he respond? Verse 6. Abram believed. Say believed. He believed the Lord. He believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. Promises are meaningless unless unless you believe them and you act on them. Okay? They're meaningless unless you believe it and you act on it. If Abram never does what God tells him to do, it doesn't happen. If Abram never goes to this land in the first place, none of this is happening. So, so this, this got real for me as I put this message together for you. I thought about God's promise to the church of Meadows four years ago. When God was so clear with us and he said, you know what, where I'm guiding, I'm, I'm providing. So every step of the way, I will guide you. If you listen to me, if you do what I tell you to do, which we're not always, you know, I try, but I'll guide, I'll provide. So, so God has done it, go figure, he's held up his end of the bargain every time. And the previous location we were at before we met here this morning, the previous location where we met for six months, I remember him guiding us there, and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Like, I, of course, in my mind, I'm like, this, there's so many weird things about this. And God said, if I'm guiding, I'm providing. 
And, and I'm like, okay, God, you're right. You provided the location. And God's like, yep. And you provided what we need, finance to make this happen. Yep, he did. But what I didn't realize is God was talking about something way bigger than the temporal, way, way bigger than the physical. God said, if, if you go where I'm guiding, I'm gonna provide, so, I'm gonna, I'll provide something way beyond your imagination. You know that when we met six months ago at our previous location that first Sunday, you wanna know how God provided? That first Sunday, we had like one of our biggest salvation messages ever. 20 people gave their lives to Christ and God's like, where I guide, I provide. You believe and you follow, I will show you. You do the going, I'll do the showing. God showed up. I couldn't, what's God gonna do today? You know what I'm saying? What's God gonna do today? So, so, so remember the promise God gave Abram. I'll remind you, you're gonna have a son. You're gonna have descendants as many as the stars in the sky. 10 years pass, 10 years, nothing, nothing. No son, no pregnancy, no, no descendants as many as the stars. Let's, let's pick it up because this is where the doubt is really setting in and it would for you too. 10 years is a long time to wait for something. Now we go, to the next, we go to the next chapter, Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, she had not been able to bear children for him. Ten years. So this is what she did. She had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Okay, that, 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 that girl name is still available if you want it for your kids. So I'm just saying, Hagar. So uh, anyway, so, so Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having kids. So she said, go and sleep with my servant, and perhaps I can have children through her. So Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. I hope he didn't agree too enthusiastically. I mean, I don't know how it went. I'm sure she's like, hey, can you go do that? And Abram's like, you know, I, I mean, if it's for the family, I suppose, you know, whatever. I, if you want, you know, I don't know how it went, but that's exactly what he did. Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, the woman, the woman servant, gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled into the land of Canaan, that land that God would show him. 10 years. We can look at this story and think, why, Sarai, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Why would you, why would you tell your, your husband to sleep with the servant to get the son? What are you thinking? But, but before we start getting on Sarai too much or Abram too much, 10 years. 10 years. We... If your web page takes more than three seconds to load, you're flopping on the floor. I got to get the iPhone 13. I got to get, you know, this is, uh, this is unbelievable. Three seconds. If it takes 10 minutes in the drive-thru, you're throwing a, you're basically going to riot. Where's my McRib? Okay. <laughs> By the way, McRibs, they ain't no rib about it. Okay. I don't know what that is, but it's not right. So if you're eating those, I want to pray for you. So. Um, by the, even Chick-fil-A, I'm just going to say it, even Chick-fil-A is feeling the effects of this worker shortage and their drive-through times. It's, they're not as quick as they used to be. They're not as quick as they used to be. By the way, where we moved from to, before we got to Omaha, I lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Ava, they just got their first Chick-fil-A in Sioux Falls, didn't they? Town went crazy. I mean, they went ape. Up, I mean, it was unbelievable. So, so check it out. This is like three weeks ago. They get their first Chick-fil-A. People are camping out. Camping out at Chick-fil-A. Okay, number one, you're camping. That, that's wrong. But number two, you're camping at Chick-fil-A at three in the morning. Okay, you don't need more chicken. You need a psychiatrist is what you need. Seriously, or a job. Try getting a job. Because I, if you're camping out at Chick-fil-A, I mean, anyway, so that's kind of off track, but I just think that's a little odd. So, so, so let's go back to the story. Abram, he did what his wife asked. He, he had relations with Hagar. 
she became pregnant. But when she knew she was pregnant, she started to treat uh, Sarai with a little bit of contempt. You know, she started to kind of uh, kind of rub it in a little bit. And Sarai didn't like that. So you know what Sarai, you know who Sarai blamed? Abram. <laughs> she, she turns on him. She's like, you know what? This is your fault. And I'm sure Abram's like, what the? You said, I mean, I'm just, welcome to marriage, Abram. So she's like, this is your fault. I put my servant into your arms and now she's pregnant and she treats me with contempt. She said, the Lord's going to show you who's wrong, Abram. You or me. And Abram, by the way, it's you. So don't, you know, it's, she is, she's ticked. She is hot. She is angry about what's going on. Guys, free advice. If your wife is this angry, either don't say anything or just say yes, dear, right? That's always safe, yes, dear, or nothing. Don't do what a buddy of mine told me he did years ago. One of the dumber things I've heard, and I've heard a lot of them. But he said that when his wife got really, really angry, he would like grab a towel and put it around her shoulders like a cape. And he goes, now you're super angry. Okay, yeah, they're not. They're not married anymore. So anyway, so don't do that. So, it's so dumb. But I've always wanted to try it. I don't know. So anyway, Jody's out there right now so we can talk about it. So say time. Time was Abr- Abram and Sarai's greatest test. Time. So some of you, you, you've given up on the dream. You've given up on the promise. You've gr- given up on the plan that God had for your life because you don't see it in your timing. But, but God's timing is way different. And we always, I always remind you of this. Ten years. 10 years. Time, I, I wrote down the willingness to let God work in their lives. That's what was waning. One of your greatest tests of faith will be trusting God's timings. And you, we've said this before in the church. God's delays are not God's denials. But the devil wants you to believe that they are. You know what he wants you to believe? God's holding out. God set you up. God, God dangled a carrot in front of you. And he said, you know what? This is what I'll give you, but he ain't going to give it to you. And it's such a lie. This happened to me. Again, I got to go back and cast vision with you when the church was first birthed called Meadows. So I'm, I'm in Sioux Falls and I'm working for a church, um, a big church, and they're planting a campus across town. And I was going to, I ended up being the campus pastor. So a campus is different than a church. A campus, it's like the pastor's up on the screen. You've heard of campuses. And people go to that location and uh, they watch the pastor on the screen. And then the campus pastor, that, which is what I was, would open the message and close the message and, and pastor the people. That's what I was. I wasn't the lead pastor. I was the campus pastor. And it it was crazy because what was happening with the church that I was a part of, they had other campuses too. And all of a sudden the vision kind of shifted in the heart of the pastor. And we we start changing those campuses, the other ones, into churches. So a lot of these campuses are becoming their own church. And I'm like, oh boy. And I feel God doing something in me, like I'm, gonna, like I'm supposed to be a lead pastor of some sort. And I'm like, okay, is this what you're doing, God? And one day I'm in my house, on my couch, I'll never forget it. And you know what verse I'm going to tell you, some of you if you're part of Meadows. I was reading Psalm 23, and I'll never forget it. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. And as soon as I read that, that uh, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, I thought, that's the church. And at that moment, God made a promise. You're going to lead a church called Meadows. Now, here's what's weird. The campus I was, I was part of across town, it was called the Celebrate Meadows Campus. So what am I thinking? I'm like, oh my gosh, God just revealed that, that campus is going to become its own church. I'm going to be the pastor on the west side of Sioux Falls, and that's what God is doing. And it all fit into place. I'm like, this is a promise from God. God is showing up. And everything was working, and everything was moving, and everything was good until it wasn't. And all of a sudden, the, the plan changed. And all of a sudden, everything was different. And I'm like, but I thought, we were, I thought this was going to happen. And it wasn't happening. And it was going to stay a campus. And I'm like, 
oh, maybe I'm supposed to, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I heard God wrong, but it seemed so clear on the couch that day. And I'm like, maybe I, maybe I didn't hear it. And, and, and so, so, so here's the key. As Jody and I were doubting if what we heard from God was really God, we kept seeking and knocking. And, and I, not because I'm some great Christian, because I didn't know what else to do. I'm like, I don't get it. So we're seeking and knocking, and, we're, and we keep moving through, say through, through the doubt. So we're moving through the doubt. And I'm not understanding. I'm not wanting to leave Sioux Falls. But God is, God is just, because we're feeling this pressure of something so happening, we, we start to look around. And we end up taking a trip to a place called Omaha. I didn't know nothing about Omaha. They have a zoo. That's what I know. That's all I know. So, gosh, it's a little warmer, you know, maybe five degrees. So we travel to Omaha, and we drive along Highway 370, and we see the growth, the booming growth. And we see the houses and the developments, and we see Warner Park baseball field, and we see that, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I, I, I know that God wants us to be where the growth is happening. But, but to move? To move? And over the weekend, we're driving back to Sioux Falls, and Jody and I both knew we're moving to Omaha. And God's like, I told you, Monty. See, my plans are not your plans. I told you you would lead a church called Meadows. Oh, you thought it was going to be the campus. That's what you were thinking in your, in your little tiny brain, Monty. It was going to be the campus. No, no, no. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. Oh, you thought you were going to stay in Sioux Falls where you're comfortable and you know everybody. No, no, no. My ways are not your ways. I'm telling you, it was not easy to leave everybody that we knew and everybody that we loved. But, but, but faith isn't about easy. Okay, I wrote it down. I said, it wasn't easy. Faith doesn't make all things easy. No, no, no. Faith makes all things possible. If God said it will happen, it will happen. It will. Never dreamed he was doing what he was doing. So, so back to the story. Genesis, now we're in the 16th chapter, the 15th verse, and it happens. Hagar, remember the servant, and Abram have a son. His name is Ishmael. He is the first son of Abram's. As we lean into chapter 17, I'll paraphrase the beginning. Fast forward 13 years. That son Ishmael, he's 13 years old. Abram, 99 years old. And God still keeps giving, Ava, or giving Abram the promise. He keeps still saying, you're going you're gonna to have a son. You're going to have descendants. For the third time, God says it. It's crazy. And, and, and so... So we're in, we're in chapter 17, and God keeps saying it, and God does something to help Abr Abram move through his doubt. God changes his name. It's like, it's like, Abram, you're not getting it. So I know that it's been now, now it's almost been 25 years since the original promise. Think about that. You have a son, Ishmael, but that's still not the promise. And God says, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham means father of multitude, father of many. So God knows that, Abraham, every time you hear your name, Abraham, you're going to remember my promise. Every time that you, someone says your name, Abraham, you're going to remember, you'll be the father of multitudes. See, see, what I'm doing for you, Abram, Abraham, is going to move your faith beyond your doubt. That's what I'm doing for you. And God even took it a step farther, because I don't know, maybe Abraham wasn't, he wasn't maybe getting it. So Abraham, or God said, you know what, there's going to be a mark of the covenant. It's not just your name that I'm going to change but you're going to do something else that's going to seal this covenant and kind of like just, just, just kind of make a mark on it. And that mark was circumcision. And I'm sure that when Abram or Abraham heard that, he's like, come again? What now? Because, you know, it's one thing when you're a baby, you don't remember it. But when you're 99, he's like, that'll kill me. I mean, but, but God said it. You and the males in your, in your association, in your household, you're going to be circumcised. And so there's significance behind that. People will say, well, I have a circumcision, such a big deal. Do you know that, I wrote it down, the root, 
The root Hebrew term for, for um, covenant, it means to cut. That's what covenant means in the Hebrew, okay? To cut. In a covenant, when somebody would make an agreement back in this day, it was weird, but they would make an agreement, and then they would actually kill an animal. They'd cut it, right? The covenant, you cut, and they'd divide the animal in half, and then they would, the, the, the parties would pass through the animal. They'd walk through it. In other words, they're making a declaration. I'm good for my word. Like, like if I don't hold up to my word, I'll die just like this, this cow died. That's how much, that's how much I, I'm going to hold to my covenant. That's what they did back in the day. It seemed crazy, but that's, that's what God was, God was saying. You're gonna, this is a covenant, and you're going to remember it. And I'm sure, I'm sure Abraham's like, is there a plan B? God, I mean, could we just do a pinky promise? I mean, seriously, come on, come on, come on, God. I mean, how about, you know, how about you just kind of email me the covenant, and I'll docusign and send it back. I mean, it's all good. But there is no docusign, Abraham. We're not doing it that way. God, God's amazing. God basically said, here's the terms. You obey me, Abraham, and you, you get circumcised, um, and I'll do this. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you property. I'll give you power. I'll give you descendants, as many as the stars. See, in most agreements, it's, it's kind of even, Stephen. You do this, and I'll do that, and both parties are happy. Not with God. God's blessings always outweigh our cost. God's blessings always outweigh the cost. Always. Don't forget how big your God is and how big his plans are for your life. So key that we catch this. So later in, in Genesis 17, God continues with the name changing. He gets to Sarai and, and he says, you know what? Regarding your wife, Sarai, her name's no longer gonna be that, but it's going to be Sarah. I'm changing her name as well and I will bless her and I will give you a son from her. I like how God is more specific now with Abraham. Uh, the son is gonna be from her, Okay. Not, not your cute neighbor across the street, Abraham, okay? Not, not your ex-girlfriend that you just friended on Facebook, okay? Well, I just want you to see what she's up to. Okay, yeah, tell your wife that. See what happens, okay? So it's it, it, that, Abraham. It is, it is gonna be from your wife, Sarah. God continues, I will bless her richly. She will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. I love. So God changes both their names, before the promise is ever realized. Even though they doubted, the covenant still stood. I mean, aren't you grateful that even when you're in your doubt, that even when you're losing faith, that even when you're starting to give up, that God doesn't give up, God remains faithful, God's promises are true, God's got you, and he's always got you. I'm just so grateful that we serve a God who doesn't just make promises, but he keeps promises. This is who God is. The faithful God. And, and then Abraham bowed down to the ground. And, and now listen, you want to talk about doubt. Abraham's doubting the entire time. God's not mad at his doubting. It's okay to doubt. Don't stay there. You don't have to stay there. You can move through the doubt. You can move through the doubt. Abraham bowed down to the ground. He laughs to himself in disbelief. He's like, how? I mean, seriously, how am I going to become a dad at 100 years old? And Sarah, she's going to have a baby when she's 90? I mean, just, just think about the, the posture. Abraham is bowing down in reverence to God, but he's just like, this guy's crazy. I don't, I don't get it. I'm 100. I still have to do that surgery. That's going to hurt. I mean, that's going to take time to heal. How? No medication, no blue pill. How? Sarah? God, I know that women are having kids later in life, but don't tell me that 90 is the new 40. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Abraham doesn't, he's still doubting. His name has been changed. God has repeated the covenant over and over three times now. And listen to what Abraham says. Don't miss this. 
Verse 18, so Abraham said to God, after he's on his knees, may Ishmael, the first son, live under your special blessing. In other words, God, I'm still struggling. It's, it's probably Ishmael. I know you said Sarah and I are going to have a son, but I'm a hunter. And so may Ishmael, may he be this guy and have this, these descendants. Yep, God, that's probably what you're going to do. And God doesn't get mad. And God doesn't rebuke him. You know why? This is the key. Because even though Abraham was doubting, he kept walking. He kept obeying. So he says, well, Ishmael's probably the guy. But then what does Abraham, you know what he does next? He grabs the males in his household and he goes to the doctor. It's surgery time. And what do you tell your kid? Hey, Ishmael, let's go run some errands. Hey, what are we doing to the doctor? Ah, just a checkup. I bet he was ticked. So Abraham takes them and he's obedient. He doesn't get it and he maybe doesn't even believe it. But God said it, I'll do it. See, God said it, and I'll do it. Faith is trusting what God said before seeing what God does. Faith is trusting what God said before seeing what God does. Are you trusting what your God has told you before you see what your God does for you? That's the question. That's the question. Don't let your, don't let your doubt stop you from walking by faith. I've seen a lot of people do it. I've done it before too. And, and the one thing about Meadows, especially if, if you're new to the church, we're pretty real church. I like to, I mean, not this... I just, I don't like to pretend like I've got it all together because I don't. Um, I don't like to, I hate when people have to wear a mask to church to try to act like that, oh, things are okay. Well, they're not okay. They're not okay. We live in a fallen world. And I love, that, that re, I love the real faith of Abraham. I wrote it down. I said, real faith isn't perfect. It's just faith in a perfect God. Yeah. See, your faith doesn't need to be perfect. It won't be. It's okay. Was Abraham and Sarah's faith perfect? Far from it. They were doubting more than they were believing from what I read. But they had faith in a perfect God. And that's the difference. So now we go to chapter 18 and we finish the story. Abraham's just been told again by God that you're going to have a son with Sarah. And now three guys show up at the house. I won't get into the, the details about that, but these guys aren't just any guys. This is a divine appointment. These guys show up at the house. And one of the guys says, I'm going to return about a year from now. And your wife Sarah shall have a son. Now, Sarah, I don't know if Abraham hasn't told, reminded Sarah of the promise, but it's like she's hearing it for the first time. Sarah was listening to the conversation between the guy and Abraham, and she knows me and my husband, we're old. Okay, we're long past the age of having kids. I think we've established that. So she laughed. Again, now she's laughing to herself. This is hysterical. How could an old, worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my husband is so old as well? Like, God, there's no way. We have these doubts. Then, then the Lord, now this gets a little bit crazy. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah just laugh? And I'm sure Abraham's like, oh boy. Um, why did Sarah just laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return this time next year. Sarah will have a son. Sarah was so freaked out right now, she denied saying it. Now she says, to God, I didn't laugh. Now she's lying to God. I mean, it goes from bad to worse. And the Lord calls her out. He's like, no, 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 you did. You did, Sarah. Okay, I'm God. I heard it. I mean, it's just, think of her. She is out of sorts right now. Man, faith is trusting what God said before seeing what God does. God's promises for Abraham and Sarah came true. They would have a son. His name would be Isaac. Isaac would have some sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob would have sons, and 
I could go on and on and tell you about that lineage, but we don't have that time for that today. But what I do have time to tell you is that the promise came true. What I do have time to tell you is that Abraham and Sarah, as you heard, struggled throughout that promise. They doubted heavily throughout the promise, especially as time passed, especially as they didn't see it coming to fruition when they thought it would. But even though they wavered, even though they struggled, God didn't. God showed up. Abraham, you will be the father of many. I didn't even tell, I didn't even tell you about Sarah's name. I didn't even tell you what her name means. Think of Sarah. Think of where she's at right now. She has literally given her husband to another woman because of her lack of faith. She, she has literally laughed in the face of God because it's so, it's so laughable what he's saying is going to happen through her and her old body and her husband. And then she lies directly to God. Okay, how would you feel? I feel pretty low. I will change your name from Sarai to Sarah. What does Sarah mean? You know what it means? It doesn't mean deceiver. It doesn't mean liar. It means princess. It means princess. And I think to myself, for a woman that probably felt so worthless, so less than, have you ever, I mean, is it just me? Have you ever felt like you, you let God down? Like you let God's people down? Oh my gosh, I, I, I have. I still feel that way many days. I've screwed up. I, I've lied again. I've messed up again. I went there again. Sarah's like, I, 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 I failed again, God. I just lied to your face, God. And God looks at Sarah and says, you're a princess. I love you. I created you. I know you're not perfect. I know you have your doubts. But man, do I have a plan for you. I will never give up on you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. For anybody that you feel like God has given up on you, or maybe you've given up, given up on yourself, never forget how God changes names. And they're always for the better. They're never for the worse. You are a princess, Sarah. I know you don't feel like it. I know you don't like yourself right now, but I sure love you. Your past mistakes don't define you. I'm gonna say that again. Maybe just for one person. Your past mistakes don't define you. They would never see the promise if their mistakes define them. They made a lot of them. They are a dysfunctional family. They would fit in right at Meadows Church, if you ask me, right in. They were messed up. Your faith doesn't need to be perfect. You just need to remember that God is. That was um, chapter 18 in Genesis is what we finished with. Back in 15 where we started, when, God, when, when Abraham or Abram, his name was then, when he first got the promise about, look at the stars, you see them all? You're gonna have that many descendants. Something happened after that because Abraham already started to doubt. He was already struggling. So, so God said, okay, let's do the covenant thing because I know you're, you're, you understand that, Abraham. So go get a cow, go get, a, go get a, a goat, go get some birds and cut them. Come on, let's do this. I'm gonna show you that we're, we're in this covenant together, Abraham. And Abraham did it. And you, you can read about it yourself in Genesis 15. He cuts the heifer in half. He cuts the goat in half. But then something happened before he could walk through it. Abraham falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, I'll give you a little, a little bit of the verse. Genesis 15, 17 through 18. After the sun went down and darkness fell, he sees this vision. You could call it a dream. He's sleeping. He sees a, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the animals, between the carcasses, between the left half and the right half. 
They passed between. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I've given you the land, it's yours. I've given, I've given the land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. What's God doing in that vision? Why is it happening like that? That's not the normal agreement. You see, God didn't require Abraham to pass through the animal because the smoking fire pot and the torch, what that represented was God's presence. So God passes through the animal. It's like God is saying to Abraham, I got you. This one's on me. Abraham, I already know what you're gonna do. You're gonna struggle. You're gonna sin. I'm gonna have to remind you over and over and over about my love and my covenant for you. Don't worry about walking through it. I got your back. Years later, there would be a new covenant. See, the old covenant, that whole animal slicing thing, that's not, that's been fulfilled, thank God, because if you made an agreement, hey, I think the Vikings are gonna beat so-and-so. By the way, if you think that, you're wrong. But anyway, so um, if, you, if you're making bets and then you, you, you grab an animal in your driveway today before the game and you slice it in half, number one, your neighbors are gonna move very quickly. And number two, you'll probably get arrested. So we don't do that anymore. We have a new covenant now. And the new covenant Jesus established. Jesus, he's a man that came from the lineage of Isaac. That, that son. Years later, Jesus is sitting at the Last Supper with his disciples after three years of ministry. And he's doing what we know as the Lord's Supper. And Jesus grabs the cup of wine and he says, he says, this is a cup of a new covenant. The old one, that old stuff they did with Abraham, that's been fulfilled. This is a new covenant. No more animal killings, no more sacrifices that way. And Jesus says, drink this every time you remember me. Hours after that last supper, hours, literally probably maybe just a couple hours later, Jesus would be arrested. A few hours after that, he'd be walking up a hill carrying a cross, beaten, whipped. Oh, by the way, he, he would be cut up so bad. Say cut. You know what cut is, right? It's a covenant. It's a new covenant. They would have whipped Jesus so badly with not just leather, but, but, but hooks on the end of the leather, that, that steel hooks that would literally cut and rip his skin wide open. So that's what it would look like. It would be, it'd be heinous. It would be so appalling for you to see. We can't imagine it. it would, he'd be unrecognizable. The covenant means to cut. They put like a crown of thorns in Jesus' head as they made fun of him after he got arrested. And they would, they would, they would push it so deeply into his scalp, it would cut all around his head. Jesus walks, carries the cross up the hill, and he gets nailed on it. And you know what Jesus is basically saying as he hangs on the cross? Remember what Abraham basically said to Abraham, or what um, God said to Abraham? I'll pass through the carcasses, this one's on me. And Jesus hangs on the cross, and he sees your sin, and he sees your mess. He knows what you've done. He knows where I've been. He knows what I've thought. And he says, this one's on me. I've got you. I've got you. This is a new covenant. I've come to make all things new. You can't do it. You can't fulfill it. You can't pass through it. See, it needs to be perfect, the sacrifice. And you're not that, but I love you so much. I'll be that for you. The crucifixion, the, the, the love of the Father, the love of the Father. This one's on me. Jesus would die on a cross, and three days later, 
he wouldn't stay dead. And this is why we have hope. And this is why Meadows Church is Meadows Church. And this is why we gather every week to remind ourselves who we are, who we can be in Christ, and what God wants to do in and through us. God's got promises for you. I know you're doubting them. I know you're struggling in that relationship, in that dysfunction, in that promise that you gave up on a long time ago about your career. God knows that. But that's why he brought you here today. That's why you're listening today. And Jesus Christ, three days later, Jesus Christ rises from the dead. And we always say at Meadows Church, that's the key. Thousands died on a cross, thousands. One man rose from the dead. And, I, and you wonder why Jesus is the center core value of our church? Because if a guy can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, we're with him. Like I'm following that guy and I'll follow him until he calls me home. That I'm all in because of that. And you should be too. It's, it's a fact. Paul in the New Testament, all the letters he wrote to the churches, he wrote one in Galatia, he quoted Abraham, he quoted what we just read in Genesis. Listen to it. Paul writes to the church, I'm asking you guys, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey? In other words, does God save you because you're good? You know better than that. You're not saved because you're good, because you're not good when it comes to God, and neither am I. It's okay, you don't have to be, that's why Jesus came. Good people don't go to heaven, saved people go to heaven. Do you get the Holy Spirit because you're doing good things? No. Paul says, of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. He was dead and now he lives. He is the Son of God. He is the sacrifice. He was the one cut up, bruised up, nailed up on a cross. In the same way, listen to this, verse 6, in the same way Abraham believed God and God counted him righteous because of his faith, real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. People will say, well, how were people saved in the Old Testament? Christ hadn't come to earth yet. They were saved the same way we're saved, by faith. Remember what God said? Abraham, your, your faith has counted you righteous. When you're counted righteous before God, that means you're, you are in right standing. That means you're good to go. By faith. You were saved by your faith when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Those who put their faith in God what else would you put it in, by the way? I can't watch the news anymore. I, I mean, it's, our world is, well, this, there's not been a better time for the church to rise up and be the church. Light shines best in the darkness. Paul says, put your faith in Christ. Like, what else would you put it in? The world? Yourself? You're going to let yourself down. Trust me, you already know that. Your spouse? They're going to let you down. Their, your kids? They're going to let you down. The government? Don't make me laugh, seriously. What are you gonna put your faith in? What will you put it in? The world's constantly changing. You wanna put your faith in something that's up and down? Money? It comes and it goes. I have no idea what the future holds, I don't. I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow or the next day, but I do know this. I know the one who holds the future and he doesn't change, okay? He is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the first and he is the last. His name is Jesus. He's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. And he loves you. You. Hangs up there. This one's on me. Don't let Jesus die in vain. By faith, believe what I just told you. He rose from the dead. And when you call on his name, he'll come into you and make you new. That's the gospel. What's the main point? Let's, let's just sum it up. 
Faith is trusting what God said before seeing what God does. Well, how easy is it? How easy should it be to give your, put your faith in Christ? We've already seen what he did. We've already seen it. Well, how do you know? You know. Matthew wrote about it. Mark wrote about it. Luke wrote about it. John wrote about it. The brother of Jesus, James, wrote about it. James didn't believe Jesus was anything. All of a sudden, he gave his life to him. Died for him. Led the first church in Jerusalem. Okay, that's how you know. Jesus arose from the dead and showed up to hundreds of people. They saw him. That's how they know. It's crazy. It shouldn't take much faith to believe. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross and he rose from the dead. You call on his name. I want to turn from the way I've been. I want to turn from my doubts and my sins and my screws. I want to turn to you, God. Come into me, forgive me, make me new. There are cards on the chairs. It might take you a minute or two, or maybe some of you five, 10 minutes to think about what you want to write on the card. I forgot the baskets, but you know what? We're not a perfect church. So the cards, you're just gonna, you just throw them up on the, throw them up on the stage, fold them in half when I'm done here. What the cards are all about is this. Let me, let me, let me tell it to you like I wrote it. Ask them, where have you stopped trusting? Where, where have you stopped walking by faith? What have you stopped believing in? What promise has God given you? What, what's your, what, what, what vision has God given you? Write it on the card. Vision doesn't come alive until you make it alive by speaking it, writing it. Write it down. Write where, you're, write where you've given up. Write where the promise that God has given you. Write it down. And, and it, when we're playing music here in a second, you're going to bring it up to the stage. And I'll invite the prayer team even up right now to come up right now as I close the message. Some of you, you've given up. Don't give up. I talked to a woman last week. We were kind of preparing the place for you today because you're valuable. And you know what she told me? She stops me out in the hallway and she says, pray for me. I'm like, what's going on? She said, well, I might be pregnant. Now you got to know the whole story. She's been wanting this for a long time. Not 10 years. Not like Abraham and Sarah, but a long time. And I've known that. And we've been praying for her and her husband and what they want God to do in their life. So she said, we just pray for me this week? I said, I'll pray for you right now. So I put my hand around her and we pray. And sometimes as a pastor, you want to say a safe prayer. Oh God, your will be done. Well, yeah, whatever. I mean, I want his will to be done. But I just felt like praying a bold prayer. And I just started thanking God in advance for the baby that's inside of her. And I said, God, I want to thank you for the pregnancy. I want to thank you for the little boy, little girl that you've blessed this family with. Now you might be thinking, well, what if she's not pregnant? It's okay. I'm just, I'm just praying by faith. I'm just walking by faith. Maybe she's not yet. See, that's what I believe. Because I know how big God is and God wants to give us the desires of our heart if it goes along with his will. And we're just believing that's his will. So I don't pray, I don't want to pray safe prayers in this church. I want to pray bold prayers and specific prayers. And you should too. And maybe that's where you're at in your relationship. Or maybe it's something else like that. But I'm praying with her and, and I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about what God is doing. And she'll find out early this week whether that baby is there or not. But we're thanking God in advance for the way that he's blessing that family. And I, and I say that because I know that there's somebody here that you're, you're giving up and you're struggling and you're hurting. Can I just remind you? <laughs> 
it takes pain to have progress. Everybody wants the progress. Nobody wants the pain. If you're in pain today, praise God. God's doing something in your life. We want to pray for you. It takes pain to have progress. It takes hurt before you can be healed. Doesn't it? It takes tests before you finally have that testimony that you're looking for. It takes death to finally have a resurrection. See, I'm believing by faith that today God is moving in your life even when you don't see that he's moving. Even when you don't see the promise coming true. He's working. He's moving. He's answering. He is a God who keeps his promises. Do you believe that? For anybody ready to surrender your life to Christ and the gospel that says that he was dead and now he's alive, and you want his Holy Spirit to come into you and make you new, online you type, I choose Jesus in the comments and we'll follow up with you. Typing those words doesn't save you. It's your surrender to Jesus by faith that saves you. That just tells us what you're doing. In the room, you mark the card. That's how I know there's 456 people. Oh, that's the minimum, by the way. Because I'll guarantee you, many have surrendered their lives without marking a box. That's just the minimum that I know of. That's why I like you marking it, then we know. But either way, checking a box doesn't save you. Surrendering your life to Christ saves you by faith. You believe that he is the son of God, that he died and rose on a cross. Wow, God, he wants you to do that. We'll preach the gospel every week. Somebody asked me one time, hey, when do you, when do you guys invite first-time guests? Or when's a good time to bring a guest? But every time. Every time would be a good time. When's the evangelism weekend? Every weekend. Every weekend. You'll get the gospel of Jesus Christ. I promise you. It is what we stand on. It is what will save you. It is what will set you free. God, are you in bondage today? Let God set you free today. I'm going to pray for you. The band's going to just play music like they're playing now. Take time with the cards. Where have you given up? What vision has God given you? What are you asking God for? And as you drop the cards in the baskets, stay up and pray with a prayer warrior. That's what they're commissioned and called to do. You bless them when you let them pray for you. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for the word and truth. It's crazy, God. You know what? I used to sing songs growing up. Sometimes in church, we talk about Father Abraham. You know, he's, he's this father of faith. And then I read the word of God. He could be the father of doubt. He doubted more than he had faith. But I love that you, you don't look at the doubt. You look at the faith. You don't see Abram, you see Abraham. You don't see Sarai, you see Sarah, your princess. God, you're renaming people in the house today. You're renaming people online today. They're not an addict, but they've been set free. They're not an adulterer. They're somebody with now a second chance to live your purpose in their life. They're not a has-been. They're not a loser. They're somebody created by the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, for the people that feel feel like failures today, God, give them hope. Give them a future, God. Let them know that you're with them right now, that your Holy Spirit is in this place and that you want them to move in their lives. But here's the key, and this, this is where I'll close it, God. In the very beginning, you told Abraham to go. He had to get up and go because faith is in a state of mind. It's a course of action. The enemy will want people to, when I'm done praying, the enemy will want people to leave and not fill out the card and not pray with somebody. Well, I rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ. We're gonna walk by faith, and faith means action. So thank you for the people surrendering their lives to you, for making decisions, not just in the room, but all over the world. Thank you for the people that will take a moment and write down on a card a vision that you've given them and watch it come alive in their heart again, reignite again, start to, start to burn in them again. And they will give it to you, and then they'll pray with somebody, and we'll watch what you do. 
Father, thank you for your church called Meadows. It's your church. You build it. You do whatever you want, God. Have your way. Your way is best. We trust you. We thank you. We believe that in you, the best is yet to come. And if anybody believes it, say amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.